Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report? Happy New Year, everybody. The regular season of the National Football League starts tonight. And with that, we're so pleased to be with you here from Studio B for another edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly, Daniel Salerson, always with us in Studio B, and we have a great lineup today for you. I think we're going to probably come to expect this on Thursdays. If, if all falls out correctly here, Thursday might be my favorite day on this podcast during the football season. Uh, that's because we get to hear from the guys that call the games, and uh, notably, that's Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints, is back for his Thursday visits with us this season. And we'll uh, saddle him up today alongside the voice of the Falcons, Wes Durham. Uh, we'll, we certainly won't hold the Falcons thing against Wes. He is, well, can we use that? Friend of the program. We love saying that, don't we? Uh, Wes will be on the show today. And then we get the uh, regular season set up with new New Orleans Saints safety, Jarris Bird. Spoke with him in the locker room after practice yesterday. It's, a, it's my favorite visit with him so far, and I can't wait to see him in the black and gold for regular season action starting on Sunday. So Henderson, Durham, and Bird with us today. Good show. Three good interviews for you, and I'm glad that you're here to uh, go about that with us. Packers and Seahawks tonight, as we mentioned, kick off the NFL regular season. That's a dandy matchup, and uh, I guess I'm, um, I'm away now from the, the bitterness that I used to have about not opening the regular season, whether it be baseball at Cincinnati you know, on the traditional weekday game or opening up the NFL regular season, you know, as we used to always on, on a Sunday. I'm, I'm okay with this kind of Thursday thing now, I think. So, nonetheless, I'm just ready to get this thing going. So that'll be fun today. Uh, congratulations to Junior Gallette. Big contract extension signed by Gallette with the Saints yesterday. That was big news in the locker room. I know that, that uh, footage of Gallette reacting to it uh, is on NewOrleansSaints.com in case you haven't seen that yet. And also good to see Robert Meacham back yesterday. And the, that kicker thing is uh, all buttoned up now with Shane Graham back in the fold. There was a lot of news yesterday. And, of course, you get that news every day uh, post-practice with John DeShazer and myself with the New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap. So try and make that part of your, uh, 
your Saints daily, if you will, whether it be on the uh, desktop or your Saints mobile app. So we'll see what happens today with regard to uh, practice and, and any or news that comes out of that as the Saints are going to practice indoor again from 11 till about 1.30 today and then open locker room after that. Who knows what we'll have for you on that New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap. So keep your eye on that. The uh, team is going through the rest of their install today. Uh, so yesterday and today, heavy days for the black and gold, both physically and mentally, for sure. Hey, on the basketball side, uh, most of you, uh, when you get this uh, podcast in your ear later today, Team USA will probably be 5-0 and in pool play at the FIBA World Cup. They are set to uh, tip it off against Ukraine at 10.30-ish Central Time. Uh, that game is live on television, but again, as most of you get this, that game will probably have come to a conclusion, and uh, hopefully they'll clean sweep those five games in pool play and then get set for the, is it the round of 16? I know it's elimination, but I think there's only 16 teams remaining that head into the weekend, so we'll keep an eye on that. And I know Anthony's look great and all that, but I, I kind of tempered my enthusiasm a little bit about due to the fact that the competition they've played is not real stout. This weekend... I think we'll learn a little bit more about where Anthony's growth is when they play some of the better teams that come out of pool play. Just keep that in mind. I don't want to rain on the parade or anything like that because he has looked very confident. He's looked dominant. That's for sure. But let's see how things get tuned up this weekend against some of the better teams in the FIBA World Cup. Okay, with all that being said, that's just a couple of things I wanted to get out of the table. I really don't want to wait any longer to get to our guests today because they're very good visits. And we'll start with Wes Durham of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, next, and then we'll roll into Jim Henderson, and then we'll let you listen into our visit with Jarris Bird yesterday in the post-practice locker room. Stay with us. This is the Black and Blue. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season go on sale to the public this Wednesday at 8 a.m., but you can have exclusive advanced access to the biggest matchups before anyone else. Visit pelicans.com today to sign up for Pelicans Insider and receive a pre-sale password to score tickets before they run out. Take flight with your Pelicans today. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackie, Seven Wars Soldier, Drew Brees' disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Still to come on today's show, the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, but we'll start here with the voice of the Falcons. Uh, he's been a friend of this program, at least uh, since its uh, start last year, but Wes Durham, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons, is with us. Here and we're not at liberty to say how long we've been friends. This is true. And uh, some of the stories, <laughs> Wes, from those early days uh, probably should stay off of this program as well. Yes, it should. Yes. Uh, Wes will be with Dave Archer and John Michaels on the Falcon side of things on Sunday. That's a noon central kickoff, of, as you full well know, from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's, uh, you know, as we get older in life, our off-seasons get quicker. Um, and, uh, and with the NFL, it never really goes away. It's remarkable how the league has become a – uh, I jokingly said early in the preseason, it's become a 345-day 
a year uh, sport. Uh, really, those 20 days that at the end of mini camps before training camp starts is about the only time of the year that you don't have some focus of the league. And, and here we are for kickoff, which is, uh, which is fantastic. It is unbelievable. Um, and I know you're doing college football again. I'm assuming that's still with Fox, Wes. And, it uh, is, yeah. And yep. uh, our package uh, our package Saturday night, uh, ironically, number one Florida State in Tallahassee. And uh, looking forward to seeing uh, the Heisman Trophy winner and the defending national champs in their first home game since winning the trophy. So you've got a busy weekend, as you always have had. And uh, and then we'll, we'll tee it up here on Sunday afternoon. And, Wes, you know, the conversation always, I guess, comes this way when we get this scenario, but division rivals – seeing yeah. it up in week one I, I guess at first I thought it was silly but now I kind of like it yeah I think what the NFL did Sean a few years ago um, and I guess this is when you know Peyton Manning was in the final years or so of, of Indianapolis when he was healthy that you know remember they didn't really have any high stakes games the last three weeks and there was questions about you know would they sit or would they play and then all of a sudden I think Roger Goodell and Howard Katz who handles the schedule for the league decided that they were going to find a way to balance out division games and you know you look at Atlanta uh, they start with two home division games in the first 11 days of the season and then they're going to finish with two division games ironically one of those December 21st in New Orleans and then the, the Panthers uh, here in Atlanta to finish and I think really across the board what it does is it just ramps up the intensity of the league uh, through the full 17-week schedule so I think for Atlanta situation um, you know it, it's important to get off to a good start here, um, and I, you probably got to win some of this and to to make yourself feel better about what you've done in the off season and build a little confidence going forward. But but I think every game is pretty important when you're coming off the kind of year Atlanta had. Somebody said the other day that this game sets the tone for both teams. I thought that was maybe a little overly dramatic in a in a 16 game schedule. Yeah. But if you look back to last year, Wes, the way the season started because of that New Orleans Atlanta game. It did somewhat set the tone for both those teams. Yeah, it did. I, th- I think really the, the impactful game for Atlanta, Sean, became the Week 2 game against St. Louis because that's where the injuries started to mount. Um, you know, when they, lost, uh, when they lost five starters in the ball game and four for an extended period of time, only one guy who was hurt in the St. Louis game came back the next week. And so, you know, by the end of the game, they'd lost Croy Bierman for the year, Sean Weatherspoon for eight weeks. They had lost uh, Stephen Nicholas for a month and and Steven Jackson for a month and so you know really at the end of the day they were they were in pretty bad shape and and it really affected kind of the dynamic of this team but yeah I think the game is a trendsetter and a tone setter for the year and I think that it it also kind of you know is an immediate validation to what you've done in the offseason and that's a little scary I mean because here in New Orleans for instance you know they've gone and they signed Jarris Bird and they've done some things in the restructure of their defensive front with guys going on free agency uh, obviously, Delapointe at center is no longer there, so they're going to break Jonathan Goodwin in. I mean, those kinds of things. And in Atlanta's case, you're you're taking into account what you've done not only in free agency but also in the draft. And now, all of a sudden, um, you know, once you get the uh, once you kind of put it out on the line the first time, you kind of get some validation as to whether or not you made the right moves and an immediate referendum, I guess, on Monday morning as to where your team is. All right, so let's talk about what those things were with regard to the Falcons, and it seems. Obviously, getting Julio Jones back is the obvious one here, and that is a huge, huge help. But that offensive and defensive line situation, is that where the most change was with Atlanta? And what have you seen the preseason to say whether or not that's going to be successful? Well, 
obviously what they tried to do, like anybody would, and I think I can, I can't, I don't know Mickey Loomis well enough to speak for him, but I got to believe that they would take their weaknesses and try and dress them in the two fastest manners, and that would be um, through free agency in the draft. And in Atlanta's case, they started in free agency with John Osamoa uh, from Miami or from Kansas City at uh, at right guard, uh, Paul Solia, the big 350 pounds. Uh, nose tackle at uh, uh, in free agency, and then they got Tyson Jackson also from Kansas City, the former number three overall pick. And then in the draft, the most glaring weakness then became the other side of the offensive line, which was at the right next to Osamoa, and that's when they took Jake Matthews at six. And 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 quite frankly, Sean, I, I hate to say, you know, was it as easy as those guys? And in some ways, it was to rehab the line. I think the other part about this is is that there's a little bit of intrigue about the Solia signing. Because Soliai is another one of the guys I like to call a turnkey. Uh, Croy Beerman, the defensive end, is the other one. Um, in that Beerman and Soliai are the turnkey guys in the 4-3 front to the 3-4 front. Now, Atlanta's not the only team in the league that does this, but those other teams that do it and do it successfully have got these turnkey guys. And they had to get a guy like Soliai in order to play that three-man front. And so he was huge, and I think that Matthews just is, I mean, he's been as impressive as any rookie I've seen in 10 years doing the games, wow. Sean. I mean, he's he's come in here, and he's gone through the transition after the Baker injury in week two of the preseason from right to left. And, you know, he's he's really, really been impressive. And I think that, uh, you know, his best football is clearly ahead of him, but he's going to be here a long time playing tackle in the NFL. Wes Durham with us, the voice of the Falcons on the Black and Blue Report. Wes, I don't think I need to tell you this, but Saints fans love their red beans on Monday and they love taking shots at Matt Ryan. Um, <laughs> did Matt Ryan get enough credit for the way he played literally off his back most of last season? Um, I think in the long run he will, um, but uh, I, don't think he, um, I don't think he ever is going to get credit immediately because of the way the team performed. And you know what I mean by that. I mean, you know, the residual effects of something like that linger in the immediacy rather than in the long term. And I think he is uh, – um, I think he's one of these guys that uh, that continues to work at his craft. He's never satisfied with his with his play, and I think he and Breeze share common traits like that. Um, but uh, but I think he's gotten credit from within the in the franchise and certainly within that locker room. Those guys know how hard he wants to, uh, how bad he wants to win, how hard he works to win. And so I think that uh, that Sunday he's clearly the leader of this franchise. And the, and the questions about you know where he stands in the quarterback pantheon in this league always fascinate me because it's not up for debate in this town. I mean, when he came here, he uh, he took it upon himself to represent this franchise in every conceivable fashion, and he's never hesitated to take that role. Yeah, Mr. Blank's uh, checkbook also speaks to that as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no question about that. I think there are a few guys on the field Sunday who have uh, who've been keenly invested by the uh, – uh, by their respective franchises, for sure. Without a doubt. All right, so football fans, I think, are very clear on what keys are to win in the National Football League, West. but let's be very Atlanta-specific here. What has to happen for the Falcons for them to start this thing off the way they want to? Well, the two things, Sean, for me that come to mind when it becomes Atlanta and New Orleans is the Saints' domination of the series. Um, I think it's 11 of the last 13 uh, that New Orleans has won. Uh, if not for the Garrett Hartley shank in the Superdome and Atlanta, you know, playing great here uh, at, the, at, the, at the Georgia Dome a couple of years ago on the way to that 13-3 and when Breeze uh, had his touchdown streak snapped and the interceptions and that kind of thing. You know, New Orleans would have swept the table. Um, Atlanta has got to be good on third down defensively, in my mind, Sunday. 
Uh, I was watching a tape of the Indianapolis preseason game uh, earlier today, and I saw, you know, here's Drew Brees backed up with a penalty, and all of a sudden he dumps it out of the backfield, and Pierre Thomas picks up a third down going 20-some-odd yards. I mean, you know, you got to be able to get New Orleans off the field. That's number one priority. Number two is Atlanta somehow has to dictate the tempo of the ball game offensively. And this is going to sound crazy, but I think they've got to run the ball. And by saying they have to run the ball, here's what I'm thinking. They have to be able to run the ball in order to allow Ryan to have time to throw the ball. Because if they can't run the ball, then uh, Rob Ryan is just going to stack the box and bring heat. And that's exactly what they did last year. Uh, they did it early in the ball game last year at the Superdome. They did it early in the ball game at the Georgia Dome last year. Uh, but Atlanta, to me, has to get New Orleans off the field on third down, number one. And number two, they have to run the ball effectively with the myriad of backs. And then the one silver lining quickly about uh, Steven Jackson not playing in the preseason is that they were able to develop and cultivate the roles of the three other guys. And, uh, and now, really, they kind of match New Orleans in some respect with their depth at running back. Wes, before I let you go, by the way, great stuff. Um, before I let you go, there is a unique uh, daily double-type twist to this weekend of the Atlanta-New Orleans rivalry, and that, of course, not <laughs> only involves the NFL on Sunday, yeah. but Saturday at brand-new Eumann Stadium at Benson Field, the Tulane Green Wave hosts the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Any, uh, any thoughts on the, del- the doubling up on the weekend? You know, it's interesting. Uh, number one, uh, congratulations to uh, to Rick Dixon and everybody at, the, at Tulane on the opening of Yulman Stadium and Benson Field because I know I know how long that has been uh, in in the offing for Tulane. Uh, I think Georgia Tech's very excited to be there. I had Georgia Tech last Saturday in their opener. Uh, they're back to being pure option football of Paul Johnson ilk. And to be honest with you, Justin Thomas is a unique piece at quarterback. Uh, Not only is he cat quick, but he throws a pretty good ball, too. So it'll be quite a challenge for Tulane, but I know Coach Johnson and the Green Wave will be ready, especially after the the heartbreaking double overtime loss at Tulsa last week that, uh, boy, they had every chance to win. No doubt. My friend, I can't wait to see you on Sunday. Thanks, John. Take care. You bet. Voice of the Falcons, Wes Durham here on the Black and Blue Report. Jim Henderson, right after this. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing, it's good, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, we heard from the Falcons side. Again, thanks to Wes Durham for joining us. But now the marquee guy of this program today, the voice of the New Orleans Saints, back for his Thursday visits, Jim Henderson. Hello, sir. How are you doing, Sean? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm ready for our 
our Thursday verbal jiu-jitsu competition uh, here on Thursdays as we engage each other during the regular season. It's uh, What does Jim Nance say? It has now become a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> yeah, we'll never be confused with Augusta National, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I don't think, think so either. Um, tell me your level of excitement, if you don't mind, about the start of any regular season or this one in particular. I can't imagine one that's uh, any higher than this. Um, anytime, for one thing, you get the, the, the preseason behind you, and you know the joy of, of looking at that in your rearview mirror. So any uh, any season opener is exciting uh, because now the bell rings and it's all for real. The fact that it's a traditional rival and the fact that it's a traditional rival on the road, um, looking through some of my notes in preparation for the game, the last time the Saints opened on the road in Atlanta was 1981, and I recall it very well because that was the first year Bum Phillips was the head coach, and I was going to be the, and I was, the uh, the host of that show. So this was our first Bum Phillips show against the Falcons, his first game as the Saints head coach against those hated birds in Atlanta. We were so fired up, and we went there, and the Saints lost 27 to nothing. Well, that's not quite the start I think Coach Phillips was looking for. No, it was, and it was a horrible game. I remember afterwards, George Rogers, that was his first game as a Saint. And this was the old Falcons grits blitz under Lehman Bennett, as I recall at the time. And uh, George might have gained like 15 yards in the game, and he had a great quote afterwards. He said, they knocked the snot bubbles out of me. Wow. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to have a blowout this weekend. I think that's open for debate for sure. But certainly Atlanta is feeling good about improving upon a 4-12 and season. And the enthusiasm here in New Orleans um, is notably high. And some of the things that I've read and heard here, Jim, make me somewhat skeptical. Um, but at the same time, would you would you find yourself in the camp at this point of best Saints um, on paper that you can remember, or are we are we just too excited for the regular season and not sure how to handle it? No, Sean, I think that really, uh, if you look at this roster, it's the best assemblage of talent the Saints have ever had. Now, a lot of things have to break right for you, injury-wise, schedule-wise, uh, those sort of things to make a kind of run like the Saints did to the Super Bowl in 2009. But uh, talent-wise, uh, it's, it's huge. And I think if you looked at the Saints' shortcomings last year, one of the reasons people are so excited about this team is how close they came to Seattle on the road in the playoffs, the team that just dominated the Broncos and won the Super Bowl. The fact that they were so close to winning that game came within, what, eight points of tying it up. But also the fact that if you look at the Saints' needs in the offseason, everybody said, well, they have to have a better running game. It looks like Mark Ingram may be able to provide that. Now, again, it's based on what he did late last season, what he did in preseason. It looks like they may have more balance and more of a commitment to the running game. Uh, they needed a deep threat at wide receiver, and they've gotten that apparently in Brandon Cooks, a guy who could replace Darren Sproles and a lot of the things that he did. And then the emphasis was on takeaways. They had to generate more takeaways than they did a year ago, uh, more interceptions in particular. And, and with the addition of Jarris Bird, it appears that they've addressed that need as well. So I think for all those reasons, um, people are justifiably excited about this football team. And, Jim, with those things in mind, what was most real? I can't think of a better word here. What was most real about what you saw in the preseason that should translate into the regular season? Probably takeaways. Uh, you know, the Saints had 49 sacks last year, but only 12 interceptions, 24th in the NFL. Uh, 
their safety play had been deficient for quite some time. If they can have Kenny Vaccaro on the field for 16 games, Raphael Bush to help in the three-safety alignment, and if Jarris Bird is the Jarris Bird that he was in Buffalo, and looking at some of the remarks of the Falcons, uh, talking about him being added to this defense, uh, I think you should see a market improvement uh, in that uh, in that category because you know the, the front four is still the same front four, and um, um, a team that's got the kind of pass rushing ability the Saints do at defensive end and Junior Gillette, 12 sacks, and Cameron Jordan, 12 and a half. I mean, I think that all um, gives you an idea that this could be a, a team that is, is very adept at taking the football away, and I think we saw that when some of the starters were playing in preseason. While we're gushing about the Saints, the bottom line, Jim, is that nine of, I think, the last 12 games between these two have been decided by eight or less. And I know there's even more specific statistics regarding the closeness of the ball games. So let's not forget that Atlanta has some say in this too. If if you're looking at this through your preparation, where does a very good Saints team have to be careful against Atlanta? Well, I think for the most part, it's going to be the matchup of whoever's lined up against Patrick Robinson. I think either Roddy Hoyt, Roddy Hoyt or Julio Jones needs to have a really big game. The, the Falcons' running game is in transition. Stephen Jackson was injured. Uh, much of last year, missed four games, had his worst season as a runner in the NFL. He's not getting any younger at 31, didn't play at all in preseason with a hamstring pull. So I don't anticipate the Falcons' running game to give the Saints a problem. Without Tony Gonzalez, they're going to have to find some production somewhere. I think that's going to be Julio Jones and Roddy White uh, trying to work on Patrick Robinson. They're certainly not going to go after Keenan Lewis, um, and it's all going to come down, I think, to that matchup offensively for for the Falcons. The thing that's really interesting, I always look, and I'm sure you do too, when you start preparing for a game, I always look at the, the offensive line of each team. The Saints return uh, everyone there, and, and uh, everybody knows how good their, their guards are. They do, do have a new center, but a guy that's returning to the team. And so the Saints look very strong up front, could possibly use a little bit more depth, but very strong up front. And you look at the Falcons, and I'm looking back to when the Saints played him in the second meeting last season in Atlanta. They only have one player starting at the same position as a year ago. Now, that may not be all bad because they were pretty bad on the offensive line last year, but the only guy that comes back from the, the starting rotation last year for the Falcons in that second meeting against the Saints is the left guard, Jay, Justin Blaylock. So everybody else is either new or starting at a new position um, compared with that matchup. It's a huge part of this game. I think you're exactly right. Well, good point there. Jim Henderson with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Jim, I'm not too cool for school here to think that I have forgotten something, so I'll lean on you a little bit. Is there anything else that, that hasn't been talked about that I'm forgetting to bring up that you, it is on your mind for this weekend? Well, one of the things I'm going to be putting together as I, I talk about the Open is this is the Saints' greatest rival. Now tell me who out of the NFC, the Panthers, Tampa Bay, and Atlanta, who do the Saints under Sean Payton have the best record against? Atlanta. It's it's you know they're thirteen and he's thirteen and three against Atlanta. Now not all of those games had Mike Smith as the head coach, but he's only three and nine against the Saints. They're ten and six against Tampa Bay and seven and nine against Carolina. So mm-hmm. they have dominated Atlanta more so than any division rival in the NFC South under Sean Payton and Drew Brees. But um, it, it remains the Saints' best rival, and, and the, the game I think Saints fans and the Saints themselves point toward with more interest uh, every year despite their records. I think, like you say, the closeness of the games, no matter how uh, each team comes into it, is a part of it. And uh, the Saints are 
are never going to never going to forget some of the things that have happened in this rivalry. And because they played it more often than any other team in the NFL, there's a chance for uh, for many of those games to be memorable. And I expect these will be the same. Saints and Falcons will kind of almost bookend things. Obviously, opening the season here um, at Atlanta, and then not seeing each other again until December the 21st here in New Orleans. Jim Henderson, as always, I very much appreciate it. I know that last year we played words with friends on Thursdays. Uh, I think we'll, th- we'll come up with something new, but uh, have our own little uniqueness to this visit here shortly, if you'll uh, help me come Maybe up with that. Maybe we can exchange recipes or something. Oh, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I don't think there's anything, you know, girly about that at all, as, l- <laughs> as long as it involves fire. That's right. You're big on fire. Yes, big I, on putting them out, at least. I like putting them out, and I like, co- I like cooking with it, too, so. Very good. Hey, safe travels this weekend. We can't wait to hear your call. And hopefully when we visit next week, we'll be talking about a good start to the season. Sounds great, Sean. Thanks a lot. Jim Henderson with us here on the Black and Blue Report. And thanks to him again, of course. We'll continue with safety Jerris Bird here on the Thursday program in just a moment. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We've visited with Jarris Bird before, but a chance to catch up with him now that it's time to finally go. I'm curious, Jarris, is opening week or the first week of the regular season, whatever you want to label it, is it a continuation of what you all have been doing the last six weeks, or is there a stark contrast to what it is now? Um, I think it's consistent to what we've been doing. Obviously, you know, though, you know, you have a more heightened awareness, I guess, so to speak, about what's going on, you know, attention to detail. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it's business as usual, like guys have been preparing. The fact that it's now 53 guys on that practice field with some practice squad guys, does that change practice tempo at this point? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it changes, but, I mean, we're ramped up. Practices are tough out there. You know, we're moving around at a, at a real high speed, so um, which is good. It's going to get us ready for the game. And um, they're tough, but, yeah, it's definitely getting us ready. But the tempo picks up. You know, obviously you don't have the depth like we did, so the rest time, you know, is, is cut short. Coach says he's pleased with the overall health of the team. As compared to other seasons for you, is this, is this a healthier team than normal? Is it about right? Does it, does it stick out in any way? Uh, no way. I mean, obviously you're, you're always thankful, you know, when you can go get through the preseason with no major injuries like that. Um, so definitely in that regard, you know, yeah, that's definitely a plus. And, we're, we're, you know, relatively we're heading into the season, you know, looking really good. So that's always a, the biggest concern is, you know, you want to stay healthy. Let's talk about this week. Atlanta, what have you and your teammates started to learn or glean from studying them at this point? 
I mean, obviously, you know, they're a good opponent. You know, we respect them. Um, just based off of film, you know, they, it starts with, you know, Matt Ryan. He does a really good job of, you know, handling that offense. And then, you know, he has a great, you know, cast of receivers that do a really good job of getting open. You know, they all have different skill sets, and they utilize them really well. What makes Julio Jones what he is? He's just a rare combination of just, you know, obviously size, speed, you know, and, you know, he has really good hands as well. So he has – he's almost like a – you know, in baseball, you call that five-tool player. It's kind of like that. So um, he can pretty much do everything, and um, but that's what makes him really good. How smart is smart? When it comes to guys like him, Roddy, those guys, um, how much of it is physical, and how much do you have to be very aware of their mental capacity? Oh, uh, both. Obviously, you have to you have to be aware of the whole the whole thing. Um, what they're able to do. They played the game for a while, so they're you know they're crafty as well. Anytime someone's been in a system, you know, you can't ever overlook, you know, the time that they've spent with that quarterback, with Matt Ryan, you know, that that breeds, you know, confidence and then different things can change, you know, based off of the chemistry that they have. Jairus, I had another DB once tell me it's a, it's like a chess game for you guys. And I kind of knew what he was talking about, but maybe you could help me a little more as far as who has the first move? How do you counter a move? That kind of a thing. Uh, you know what? The chess game is really about, you know, making sure that you, you know, hold this just disguise, do whatever you got to do to kind of go back and forth and, and not give them exactly what, you know, hold your hand a little bit. And uh, that's pretty much the game is that you got to play, you know, as a safety and as a defense. You know, you got to make sure you're, you're going back and forth. Opening on the road, does it matter to you? Um, no, I mean, you got to play football. Is play, you know, home and away. Obviously, you play football anywhere, so. Do what you got to do. I've heard folks always ask, you know, what are the keys to the win? I think they're probably pretty standard in most cases. But if you were to be specific about Atlanta, what would you have to add to the list? Uh, you got to protect. You got to protect the ball. You know, get turnovers, and and not and not uh, you know allow explosive plays. Thanks, Jerris. Good luck. Thank you. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach Sean Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. After practice today, we'll head into the Saints locker room. Um, I'm efforting to interview Brandon Cooks for tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Um, and again, now that the locker room is open after practice and all that, if there's somebody that you really want to hear or get to know better on the Black and Blue Report, interact with us. Uh, it's there for the taking. The Twitter handle for the show is at Black Blue Report. You can also tweet me if you like at Sean Kelly Live. I'm wide open to suggestions about what you want to hear on this podcast, whether it be the Saints side, the Pelican side, NBA, college football, whatever. 
um, we'll try and accommodate you as you've been gracious enough to listen to our show. Thanks again for your listenership today, and thanks to our guests, Jim Henderson, Wes Durham, Jarris Bird. We'll effort to bring you another great show tomorrow as we get set for Saints and Falcons this weekend. Uh, don't forget about what Wes Durham said with regards to the Tulane-Georgia Tech game. I think that's going to be a special piece in our city's football history when that stadium gets opened up on Saturday between Tulane and Georgia Tech. We may effort to bring you uh, some of that story tomorrow. Yeah, we'll put that on the list. We'll talk about that tomorrow a little bit uh, before we wrap up the week here on the Black and Blue Report. Don't forget, it's all free, and it's all to you on iTunes, NewOrleansSaints.com, your Saints mobile app, Pelicans.com, or the Pelicans mobile app. All of those are easy avenues to catch our podcast each and every weekday. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Don't forget to check out the New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap later on today at NewOrleansSaints.com, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow from Studio B on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.